Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Many horse racing fans will have forgotten the historic event which happened at Royal Ascot on the 19th of June 1987 when a young gay Kellaway became the first woman jockey to ride a winner at the Royal Meeting. As part of our What Was It Like To series, Gay reflects on her momentous triumph when she won the Queen Alexandra Stakes, beating legendary jockeys Willie Carson, Steve Cawthon and Pat Edry. This episode is brought to you in collaboration with Great British Racing International. Great British Racing International is British Horse Racing's dedicated service provider, committed to helping international parties navigate the networks that make up this world-leading industry and promoting stories from within British racing to a global audience. Let's hear Gay's story. What was it like to be the first woman to ride a winner at Royal Ascot back in 1987? Amazing, but I never really looked at it like that. Just amazing. Well, that was a short answer, um, and we'll cover a bit more. Right. <laughs> we'll cover a bit more as we go through the story, Gay. Okay? But I'd like to tell the story about your win at Royal Ascot on the nineteenth of June, nineteen eighty-seven. As you say, on Sprouston Boy. Had you ridden at Royal Ascot before? I think I have. Yeah, I'd ridden in one of the two-yard races. I think it was loads of runners. I think it was like thirty runners in that Coventry. I'd ridden in the Coventry previously. Yes. But that was quite wet, quite uh, rare for woman jockeys to be riding at Royal Ascot at that time. Yeah, I think I was about the second woman ever to ride at Royal Ascot. Joanna uh, Morgan was the first one, the Irish jockey. What can you tell me about Sprouston Boy? Uh, well, Sprouston Boy, I, I, I rode him as a two-year-old and finished fourth for Goodwood on him on his first start. And I said to father, he wants as far as you can go with him. I knew that as a two-year-old that he wanted a trip, you know. And uh, and I think I'd won a few races on him beforehand. Um, and he was just going slowly up the ranks in handicapping company. 
And previously, the week before uh, Royal Ascot, I won on him at Sandown. But I was sort of, the boys were a bit tough on me when I was riding because obviously I was about the only woman, especially down south, riding. Um, there was a few up north, you know, Kim Tinkler, but there wasn't a lot of us and Wendy Carter uh, and, um, and Julie Fallon. But there wasn't really a lot of us. And especially down south, there was like no one, I don't think, but me. But um, so I was the only girl riding at Sandown that day. Um, and it was quite a competitive field. You had all the top jockeys in it. And I got put him in a I put him in a pocket. There was quite a few runners, I think about 15 runners um, over a mile and a half. And I put him in a pocket and he basically got he got quite um, we got quite stuck in. And I'll come out into the straight. You think it's a long straight at Sandown, but it isn't really. When you're stuck there and you can't get out, and there's two to go, I'm still stuck in there and I couldn't get out, so I pushed my way through. I mean, in this day and age, I would have kept the race because I won five lengths. But in that day and age, and so anti-women actually being in the sport at the time with the jockey club, which they were called, now it's the BHA, um, they disqualified me. Plus Walter Swinburne, um, had a bit of grievances against me, so he he objected and uh, ended up losing the race, which probably played to my advantage that happened because I didn't get a penalty for the following week at Ascot. So though I was bitterly upset at Sandown, it paid dividends going going to um, going to Royal Ascot. So was he targeted for the Queen Alexandra Stakes? Yeah, he was always targeted. I thought father was a bit mad because it was a stakes race; it wasn't a handicap and. I knew we had a horse going up to Scotland. Um, whenever I had a lot of friends up there. I, I spent a lot of time riding up there. And I was keen to go to Scotland to ride this filly. Or I knew it would be an absolute certainty at air. So I was keener to go there and ride a winner um, than going to Ascot and just being also ran. So I was when Father said, you're going to ride him at Ascot, I was a bit, a bit hesitant, you know, and especially against all so many good horses from Guy Harwood stable and various like Britain all big stables to Michael Stout. Um, I certainly was a bit hesitant about riding the race like that in, in that sort of category. But um I thought uh, with the rain when the rain actually fell and it was heavy, I thought it all played into my, played into our hands a little bit because it, he he relished that softened ground. And I knew he stayed all day because he just galloped the horse, you know, he just kept going. And he was very fit. Father always got his horses very, very fit. Very fit. You know, that that was his massive advantage. He's very much like Mark Johnson. He always has horses very, very fit. And um, I knew if I did the right thing on him and made him really test his stamina, he, he'd have a, he'd have a, definitely have a cracker. But I, I wasn't going to go there for nothing after not riding that filly up at air. And she won. I watched her win at Ascot when I was there. I'll never forget going into the... Um, big tote room there, you know, of course, and big crowd of people and I, I watched her win. So I was a bit gutted when <laughs> George Duffel rode her. And it's funny how you remember so things like that very, very clearly, you know, so. Yeah, we all yeah, do that. We so, all remember things about 30 years ago and we can't remember what happened uh, yesterday. Y- yesterday. What, what, what was know, the build-up like to the race? It was a little bit nerve-wracking because it kind of put me in a place in the middle of the course Um in the main grandstand, the old grandstand, um, where all the uh, waitresses and people that worked on the race course changed. Um, and it, it it kind of, I suppose I wasn't shut in a little room on my own, which kind of helped. 
Um, but they kind of they thought I was um, it was quite funny because they thought I was doing a fancy dress because I was a woman putting jockey silks on. They thought it was like some sort of fancy dress gig, a hen hen do or something, you know. So uh, yeah, I, I, and I had to walk through the course with my silks on and the helmet on. That was kind of weird, and people sort of made comments and you know. I don't think they realised there was a woman riding in the race, you know? Yeah, because the other jockeys in the race, we've got Willie Carson, Steve Corth and Pat Edry in the same race. That's right. Um, yeah, Greville Starkey. Yeah, all the top boys. All the top boys in the race, yeah. Can you remember your father's instructions in the parade ring? You probably said that you were you knew he stayed. Yeah, he, well, father just said, you know, sit in box seat, blah, blah, blah. I didn't really listen to him. I kind of knew the horse was staying. I, I, my plan was to uh, jump out in front. He jumped well out the gates. Um, actually, I don't know if it was a gate start. I think it might have been a flag start, actually. So I know I get a, I've got a fly from the off. And uh, I'm going that first turn front of the grandstand. You know, he just felt so good. He loved the ground. It was really deep. It, it was coming over the, really over their ankles, you know. and uh, And I knew... I made it a really test of summer. I've got a nice even pace, but I kicked at Swindley Bottom. I thought, let's see if these horses are fit enough, the jockeys are fit enough, and I'm going to kick from here and go for my life. And I did. And I just kept pushing and pushing. And uh, I actually dropped my pedals a couple of holes down at the start because I knew I had to work hard. Um, as I come into the straight, I kind of, I thought, God, I hope I've done the right thing here. Any minute now, Edry can pass me. But, um, I thought any minute they're going to pass me, and I looked round, and they're miles behind. <laughs> and I just get going, you know. I mean, I literally rode a finish coming into the straight, and I think you know, God, what what what's Asker about three and a half furlongs in the straight, isn't it? What time? You won by eight lengths. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I thought I'm not going. I'm not going to stop. Kept going, rode, rode to the line, you know. So um, I think I think Carson was second. And that gave me great delight because he's so cocky and he loved beating me. He's always taking the mickey out of the other jockeys when they finish second, second to me. So uh, yeah, it was it was a hell of a beat. So you still still get chance to remind Willie Carson that you finished second in that race. Well, actually, funny enough, I forgot it was Willie Carson that was second in that race, but I will remember, remind him because he keeps reminding me that he he finished uh, second and he got a race. I got disqualified because they reckon I was claiming the wrong allowance. This is early on in my days riding. I was riding lots of winners and apprentice. And the beer, uh, the jockey club didn't like me doing this. So he, those above decided they'd made up this new rule because amateurs had never turned professional before. I'd ridden 10 amateur wins. And in those days, if you'd ridden 10 winners on the flat as a, as a professional, you lost your seven-pound claim. So therefore, I was claiming too much at the time in their opinion they made up the rule as they went along it was a joke really it'd be in my book about the incident and though we got a top lawyer a barrister from london to fight the case we never actually got the races back i lost four races in which uh two of them i think willie carson was second so he gives great belief but i will remind him that aspect don't worry uh, and now one of his sons uh is working for you yeah uh, neil's son um one of his sons he, he's a good one um, yeah, he drives a lot for me, does a lot of my racing. What was the reaction on the course and from the jockeys after the after your win? I think um, they're not like nowadays. 
they're much more um they're more camaraderie really in this day and age they're much closer they all look out for each other a lot more in those days it was hugely competitive and i think willie was so sick he never said a word pat edry never spoke uh lester said well done and steve Gawthon. steve Gawthon, the american jockeys were much more kind of not so much normal but more like they are today you know they, it was so competitive in those days and you've got to remember back in those days we only had the four days four days and six races whereas the girls riding winners now at ascot they've got they've got five days haven't they and uh and, and extra races well seven or eight races a day you know so it's a, it's much more they've got more of a chance and plus the trainers are much more open now you know they're much more there's much more diverse now whereas those days you'd never see Sir Michael Stout ever put a girl on. It was a momentous event to, for you to win the race. Yes, it was. I never thought it was a great, a, a massive deal um, being the first. I never really thought it that way. I just thought it was a hell of an achievement actually riding the winner at Royal Ascot, being a jockey and being an apprentice that I didn't claim as well. Remember, I was a five-pound claimer and I couldn't use my claim in that race which you've got to admire my father for letting me ride because there was other top jockeys still left in the weigh room. But he insisted he wanted me to ride the horse. And um, he, he's a very clever man, father, and he must have known the horse had a hell of a chance. So maybe he was thinking more of the history rather than me. I never really thought about making history. I thought after I'd ridden there, I thought it was more girls going to eventually come along. The father used to say I was, I was 10 years too soon, more like I was like 30 years too soon really because now like how many years on is it now 34 years how many years on is it now since i wrote that winner 30 uh, odd years 30 36 years ago yeah yeah 36 years ago so 36 years ago and i was felt I was th- my father said you're 10 years too soon as a jockey if you're a girl 10 years time it'd be a different world but how wrong we were you know it took about 25 26 years for girls to be recognized as riding in races um, and appreciated and it's only the last what four years like some Holly Doyle, you know, the other girls, Joanna Mason and people like that, um, and, and Hayley Turner, actually given a chance to ride horses at Aspit, you know. Still, there's not very many. I mean, how many go, how many times the girls ride at Epsom this year? Not a lot. No girl riding in the Derby this year. It's a shame. Was it emotional winning the race for your father? Um, kind of emotional. I don't think I shed a tear. I was a hugely proud of proud of the horse uh, it was wonderful the owners because they were coal miners and they stood in the paddock with the queen emotional i think more so now with the media and the social media and the tv don't forget it wasn't on television they cut you off by then they only they only televised on bbc one a couple of races three races isn't it like now you know you can see all the races we didn't have we didn't have racing tv Nothing like that. So basically, I was dragged in. So I'd won on the Friday. And then Julian Wilson at the time was the BBC commentator, asked me to come in on the Saturday and um, and do an interview. Yes, that's right. They dragged me on breakfast down with Selena Scott. But remember, it's quite sad because unlike nowadays, I had no rides the next day. I'd ridden that winner at Royal Ascot. Um, and I had no rides the next day. You know, but that's how hard it was. 
you know, the likes of Clive Britton supported me and the small trainers up north and a couple of small trainers down south. Never really, really 100% accepted. Um, you know, it was always a struggle to get rides. Uh, it would have been a different different story now, wouldn't it? You ride a big winner and they all want you. So would it be fair to say then, from what you just said there, that the, the win didn't change your life then? It's, I wouldn't say it, it, it. Look, it didn't change my riding career much. It more, made me more recognised. And yes, I got rides, but I had to work damn hard to get rides. Uh, I wouldn't say it changed my life financially. It didn't make a lot of difference because father took 50% of my, my riding fees and, you know, it was it was not bad. It helped pay my mortgage. I bought myself a house. Uh, sorry, an apartment. So it will help financially. But it didn't speed up my my um it didn't speed up my career at all. You know, I just got more I just got recognized more, you know. And I did get unlike now, if you'd done something like that, you'd be on every T V channel, they'd be looking for this and that and the other. And basically there was a few interviews, the newspapers came around, did interviews. I suppose in those days, Stephen, you had the likes of um, all the national newspapers did a lot wrote a lot about a lot about racing, didn't they? Whereas now there's hardly any racing. You're lucky to get raced. Um, even the racing cards in some of the newspapers, very minimal now when they talk about racing. It's all football and other sports. Whereas in those days, we did get a lot of coverage in the national newspapers. I'll give it that. And I did get a lot of coverage after the race. In our previous podcast, in collaboration with Great British Racing International, I spoke to young Newmarket-based trainer Harry Eustace, about his 2022 win at Royal Ascot. The horse, Latin Lover, was his first runner at the Royal Meeting. Here's a short clip from our recent podcast with Harry. Getting into the race sort of felt like a win. So, you know, after that, you go through any field at Ascot and it's obviously very competitive. And so it was sort of hard to judge where we would end up but on the day price wise tipped us and 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 it sort of gave us a bit of confidence but we'd been watching we thought we were drawn well and then we were watching the racing and then it and then maybe we weren't drawn well and and we were sort of unsure about the draw which you know you just have to get lucky with and sort of as it turned out we were just about okay but we thought we were good but actually stand side ended up being i think the better side to be drawn but we were we just managed to sort of track it across mid race enough to be able to sort of challenge with them. So, so it worked out well in the end. You said earlier it was another thirty two years before Haley Turner became the next female jockey to to win at Royal Ascot. Yeah, I said to Haley, I said you better hurry up and ride a winner at Ascot because they'll be wheeling me in. You know, um, I said, I don't want to be in my Zimmer frame by the time that someone rides a win at Royal Ascot. And she actually called me that day after she'd won. I was at Goodwood Races and uh, I was absolutely delighted for her. I said, at last, I sort of took a big breath. I said, you know, and a friend of mine said, oh, wasn't it a shame? You know, you could have, I said, no, because racing won't go forward. We need racing to go forward. We're still at a standstill with women in racing and, and riding winners at Royal Ascot is a massive landmark. It's a bit like, riding a winner at the Derby meeting, you know, and, and good words. It's really important that girls ride winners at these big meetings, you know, especially Royal Alaska. But it was a long time. I mean, I think Alice Greaves and Emma O'Gorman got a few rides. 
they took and even Haley took a long time to actually ride a winner at Royal Ascot, didn't she? She had a lot of rides before she I think I only ever had at Royal Ascot about I rode in the Gold Cup. I think I only ever had four or five rides four rides there at Royal Ascot in my whole career. Well Haley Turner won on Thanks B for Charlie Fellows in twenty nineteen. She won again in twenty twenty in the same race. Haley's now won three races at Royal Ascot and, and Holly Doyle the same. And Holly Doyle in 2022 won a Group 2 race, the Coventry. That's right. Um, and that is an achievement. I mean, Holly and, and Haley, thank God. Um, Holly, more so, she has a great successful career. She's even, and she's, she's done a, a hell of a lot. She's ridden over. How many winners? She's, she's the, I think she's been more wins than any girl in a year. Um, and she's one of, she was in the top, I think she's in the top five jockeys. Um, every trainer puts on the same level as any top jockey. You know, you'd have no fear of putting Holly up in a group one or a classic. I just wish she has more, I wish she had more opportunities, you know, to ride in classics, Holly, you know. Just getting on a good horse, isn't it? Really, she's proved that when she went won in France. She, she won the French Oaks, yeah. She won the French Oaks last year. I can't remember. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the future is a lot brighter though now, finally yeah. for women jockeys. I think so. There's a lot more girls getting into it, but I think you find the reason why is because it's got to stage. The staff situation is so poor. Lads aren't coming into the game. The heavier girls weren't even accepted in racing. I mean, I remember in 1982 the big. Uh, the PJA secretary wrote to a girl that wrote for a, wrote wrote to the PJA and asked how would she get into racing? She liked to you know become a, a stable hand, a groom. And they wrote back. I actually got the card and it wrote back to this young lady and said, um, uh, "Horse racing is not really for girls. It's best you choose an alternative career." Um, so there, that's how hard it is for girls to come in, get into racing. And now, because of the staff situation, trainers have to employ more girls. And girls, young girls that are alike, say, right, hey, we've got the British Racing School. You know, we're on equal terms. The world is very diverse. Let's have a go at being a jockey. And there's a lot more girls. In fact, there's more girls, they were telling me at the Racing School, taking the course than the lads at the moment, which is a good thing. How now then do you reflect on that day on the 19th of June, 1987? I remember... Uh, coming home and my boyfriend waited a bunch of red roses for me and my sister and my brother and my mother they you know they all like you went out and celebrated that night it was it was it was a bit surreal and it's kind of like I was kind of relieved you know it, it was hard work keeping your weight down I was one of the tallest jockeys riding though my, the jockeys now tower above me um, there was like Lester Bigger, me and Steve Forth and one of the t- tallest, everybody else was so short. Uh, and they were basically Parsons height, you know, riding. So the, the, the wasting, the dieting was getting on top of me a little bit. And I was, you know, and I thought, well, I've, I've done this now. And fortunately, thanks to riding a winner at Royal Ascot, uh, when I retired from race riding, before I started training, I got a lot of good jobs. You know, I got good jobs in journalism. Because of my Royal Ascot win and being known, um, it opened a lot of doors for me. It was, a, you know, it's the, the best thing that ever happened to me in my life. Um, 
riding with a roller skate because it opened a lot of doors. And I, I will always be remembered for that. And then when my days are over, I'm sure, you know, at Royal Ascot, it will come up in a quiz question or in a book. My name will be there. So it's not nice to achieve something you'll be remembered for. And we spoke off air and one of your dreams would be to train a winner now at Royal Ascot. Yeah. Uh, well, I, the closest I came to it is in the Buckingham Palace. I got beaten in nose with five. I've been second. I've been third in the, in the St. James's Palace. I've been fourth a couple of times, fourth and third in the Royal Hunt Cup. I've been placed in Jersey. It's uh, <laughs> it's a bit disappointing. I mean, it was great. That week when we had a great week back in, I think it was 96 or 97, we had a brilliant year. We went to Ascot. We were like in the top top five prize money, you know, without a winner. Top five or six prize money without the winner because, you know, they were getting placed, which was great. The good horses, they had good horses that year and good one horse. But in Sorby Tower, there was third in St. James's Palace. But, um, yeah, it's, and since then, it's been a tough call. That's, and then that was in 97. And then further down the line, 2000-something, I finished, in 2004, I finished second in the Buckingham Palace with the Farge in the handicap. And I'd actually backed him at 40 to 1 before the race. And he got beaten a literally smidgen, got taken across the track. I think nowadays we probably would have got the race. Um, John Egan rode him that day and he said we should have got the race in the stewards room, but wasn't to be. And that's basically the closest <laughs> I said as close I ever get to a Royal Ascot winner, and it's been like that ever since, you know. I've had a few fun runners, but nothing serious. And then we ran Look and Magic back in 2019, 2020, sorry, sorry, uh, 2020, um, and he was third. He ran an amazing race. That was exciting. So that's the closest I've been since. And after that, I've just been having uh, fun runners. Um, and I haven't really got a two-year-old ready enough to go in uh, the big races. And it's so competitive. Full fields, really, really competitive more so. They bring horses from abroad now, from America, Japan, Australia. So it gets tougher and tougher every year. So competitive. So it's something that I'd like to do. but. It's a more of a dream than a reality, really. Well, you, you became the first uh, woman jockey to uh, ride a winner at Royal Ascot. A hundred years, remarkably, after Ellen Challoner became the first uh, woman trainer to uh, train a horse to win a race at Royal Ascot. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Gay, for joining me on the Paddock and the Pavilion for your What Was It Like To moment. Thank you. Thanks, Stephen. Thank you for listening to The Paddock and the Pavilion. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at The Pad and Pav. Don't forget, if you like the show, please do leave us a rating and review. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.